0: So mm-hmm. yeah, for, for for our third episode, we have Albert Hummel. So Albert Hummel is a data scientist and an AI practitioner.
1: Hi guys, I'm Albert. My nickname is Bash. So it's based from the scripting programming language in Linux or Unix. So the story there is that in high school, I got addicted to open source technology and advocated for it. So that's my nickname. I'm going working as the lead data scientist in a bootcamp company for data science education. It's called Esquilabs. So Esquilabs is a tech-enabled data education startup, redesigning skills learning for the future of work. So it's founded in Singapore and is also a portfolio company of Antler. Currently we are incubated in the Asian Institute of Management. Um, Aside from teaching, I also work as a data solutions engineer for a consulting company based in the Philippines. I am also a machine learning expert at an AI company based in Poland. So my first experience with AI was back in university. I was part of the instrumentation physics laboratory where we tackle complex systems, neural networks, signals, and image processing. So basically, we apply physics concepts to solve real-world problems like traffic, stock market, art restoration, and crowd dynamics. I have also attended some workshops uh, that involves artificial intelligence. One of those was uh, a space tech company in in Bangalore. So uh, we d- developed smart systems for space technology. I have also attended some workshops on on. AI ethics and the relevance of of algorithms in the open web in in London under the Mozilla
0: uh, project. Okay, so that was uh, that's Albert Hummel for everyone. So it's it's a lot <laughs> in a span of a uh, few years. Uh, Albert has already accomplished a lot of things. Before we start talking about AI, I think there's a there's a need for us to define and differentiate data science, machine learning, and AI.
1: We are at this inflection point right now, right? So suddenly all of this data, these algorithms and the computational power is available. That's really been a breakthrough. So um, things are becoming real that we've talked about in movies that we've dreamt about for decades. Um, Now we can do voice recognition, navigation, uh, automated navigation with cars and translation of language. So most of these technologies they tag as artificial intelligence, uh, but but all of these concepts uh, requires data, right? So they are encapsulated uh, in a big concept called data science. So basically, uh, artificial intelligence is a subset of data science, and machine learning is a, a subset of artificial intelligence. So it's like an egg. Uh, so the outer shell, the hard, harder shell of the egg is data science. So the white um, soft and liquid material of the egg would be um, artificial intelligence and the core would be, or the yellow part would be machine learning. So it's like a subset of each other. So they are definitely related. I think there's another, like there's a better <laughs> illustration of that. Like, you can also think, Again, with the egg illustration, uh, you can think of uh, since it's just Easter, uh, you can think of data science as the egg basket, and um, one egg can be uh, artificial intelligence, and inside that egg is um, machine learning. But there are also other eggs in the basket, so one egg can also be data engineering, and inside data engineering, you need. To apply skills of like data management and database uh, management systems. Another egg can be uh, business intelligence and inciting uh, data visualization for another egg. So it's really like a conglomerate of, of other disciplines that are clustered into one basket.
0: Yeah, I'm good with a single egg illustration. Uh, I'll stick <laughs> to that. If if someone were to ask me okay. uh, what's your what's your understanding <laughs> of data science, machine learning, and AI, I would just use your single egg illustration. Yeah, because <laughs> I, yeah, I know it gets more complicated when you when you consider other other aspects, you know, uh, of data science, other applications of data science. Because there's definitely more to it. Uh, so w- what's the what's the highlight of your experience, Albert? The one thing that, yeah, I that think, sticks to you, talaga, from from all those uh, travels, all those organizations that you've worked with. What's what's the one thing? If there's a, if there's if, if easy to name one, that's uh, really sticking out yeah. of the bunch.
1: I think is that technology can do a lot to change our societies. I think I had this project uh, together with some of my teammates. We wrangled the dataset from the Bangsamoro dataset. So I hope you're familiar with uh, the Bangsamoro uh, transition law. So we used, uh, we developed an algorithm that can identify the retention rates and student attendance in the schools in, in Bangsamoro, or the previously uh, called AR, ARMM region. Um, when you look at the data, uh, previously, ARMM has the lowest um, attendance rate in the country. So our model uh, tried to understand what factors affect student attendance in that particular region. Uh, we entered the competition for it, and the uh, Data Ethics Philippines and uh, Data, uh, Analytics Association of the Philippines recognized uh, our algorithms, and I hope they were able to use it to actually affect uh, their implementation of the loss in the transition of the bank tomorrow.
0: Before we started this recording, this podcast interview, uh, we talked briefly about the opportunities that you've had to work abroad. And uh, with the talks that I've had with other people in tech as well, they they we often talk about, uh, they often share to me that um, in the Philippines, there's really an issue on brain drain. So there's a lot of um, graduates. There's a lot of practitioners that are m- moving abroad, you know, for for better compensation, for better work experience. So um, I know this is a very uh, subjective and it's a very broad question to ask you. Pero, uh, what's your opinion on brain drain?
1: Yeah, I agree. It's very relevant now. Um, I can totally attest to that. Most of my batchmates are now. Um, practicing or studying abroad, um, even me, um, I was also in that predicament before. But I realized that in this like lifetime, um, if you're gonna, if you wanna make most out of it, make make most out of it with a reason, with a purpose. So I think I found my purpose by using my knowledge, my skills in contributing something for the betterment of the Filipino people. That's why I'm still here. Um, what I plan to do is to develop uh, the technology sphere in the Philippines and hopefully contribute to the betterment of society. I know it's a grand goal, but I think uh, that would be my 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 main reason why I I stay. Yeah,
0: because so I think uh, for for someone who's choosing to to stay here, you would have to have a great aspiration. Uh, for 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 the country and for for society i think it's very noble then because hey, you don't see a lot of people who are deciding with with all the opportunities that are presenting to to tech practitioners now today there's really a lot
1: i also uh, see a lot of potential uh in terms of of the capabilities of the filipinos like the young uh generation i had an experience in teaching um technology programming and physics to the lumad community so if you're familiar with the Lumad. They are um, an indigenous uh, community based in in um, Mindanao. So I have taught like physics uh, in them and I got inspired to, to really uh, bring technology closer to them. There was one particular uh, experience that I had with the kids that really made me cry. Uh, I was teaching them uh, atoms um, the concepts of electrons and protons. And one example that I used to teach them is that uh, electricity is just the flow of electrons. But the problem is that when I use that example, they can't relate because they don't have electricity in their region. So that really made me cry and that like made me motivated to really uh, do innovations to to reach out to the grassroots Filipino communities. For, for a collective and a more exclusive growth yeah because we're seeing that there are many advancement in technology uh, but not all of uh, the segments of society can feel that growth and and there's a huge gap between those who can use this technology and those who can't so i think innovations is not like only limited to using software like we can also try out uh using open hardware like low-cost open hardware like Raspberry Pi to make things like accessible. Um, in terms of uh, AI application here in the Philippines, I personally believe that we're not ready yet as a country to fully embrace the most advanced technology. Uh, in most of my engagements with companies, I see three main problems. The first one is that there's a lack of data, We don't have well-designed information systems, so it's hard to open our data. Uh, We can't do any processing at all because it's hard to to find this data. So I think uh, some of our projects are are delving into data augmentation, web scraping and data engineering through using alternative data. Um, Another problem is that uh, we have unstructured and expensive data storage and processing in the country. So most of the companies here in the Philippines still rely on on, uh, proprietary products that are expensive to maintain in the long run. Uh, The third one is that there is data, but they are not used or optimized. So some of the companies, a few of them, though they have some data, they don't know what to do with it. So I think we need to to ramp up our experiences in doing data analytics by really um, studying what other countries are doing and uh, how to apply it in the context of of the Philippine uh, business scenario.
0: So do you you think that there's a lot of opportunities in terms of policymaking for us to have more structured data that can be used for uh, data analysis?
1: Yeah, I agree with uh, your point on policy making. I think we should all push uh, for for companies, for individuals to be more data-driven because in doing so, um, we'll be more objective in terms of our decision-making capabilities. And uh, not only that we are more objective, but um, it's more seamless that we do things with, with uh, a grounded basis. Yeah, I think uh, focusing on policy uh, can can really help us a lot to to boost our efforts in introducing data driven decisions, introducing data science on how we can optimize our current um, systems.
0: Okay, and uh, I think it's very important also to to talk about what you think is what what your definition is of being data driven.
1: Yeah, I think data driven is still uh, a, buzz a buzzword, but I think most students who took basic science can relate to the concept of the scientific method. So in, in, the, in, in the framework of scientific method, we always uh, define a problem, um, make a hypothesis, and test out our hypothesis correct. And we also do a lot of reiterations if, if, uh, in order for us to check if our assumptions are true so being data-driven is applying uh, the scientific uh, way of thinking, uh, asking the right questions that are very important.
0: For my next question, uh, Bash, I would also want to ask you about the resources that a person like me, you know, a non-practitioner or probably a tech practitioner but not doing AI or data science or machine learning that is out there It's just a matter of me accessing those uh, resources for me to be able to learn um, these technologies.
1: Yeah. So there are many resources that a person can be interested in AI or data science in general. So uh, mostly I list down um, like search points that I can find online. Um, What I do is I follow researchers who are on top of the field like Andrew Nang, Sebastian. So I can give out a list um, which we can link to our listeners. Um, But basically, I follow uh, the top researchers in the field. I also follow organizations. Um, There are a handful of well-known organizations that are dedicated to furthering AI research and development like OpenAI, DeepMind, Google Search, AWS AI, Facebook AI Research with their PyTorch and Google with their TensorFlow are the main tools that we use for artificial intelligence uh, models. Um, There are also a lot of video courses. Um, Well, there are an overwhelming number of video courses and tutorials available online, and many of them are free. Um, There are also considerably more uh, college courses abroad where the professor has made the course materials available and online. Listeners can check out uh, materials from from Coursera, uh, Udacity, um, practical deep learning for uh, coders uh, by uh, respected institute. they're offering it for free or for some minimal fee. Um, they can also check out YouTube uh, a lot of um, my materials previously, like when I got stuck uh, i'm I'm a visual type of learner, so um, sometimes I want to learn um, through code walkthroughs. So I, I want to watch how a programmer codes from scratch, uh, how they do the algorithms from scratch. So there are good channels online like Sendex, um Two Minute Papers. Uh, it's really good. Uh, DeepLearning.tv, Data School, um, Machine Learning TV. Um, you can also con- um, consult blogs um but to be honest given the complexity of the material in AI it takes uh, a, quite a bit of effort to be, to, uh, to put together meaningful content I myself do uh, blogs and tutorials through my github.io profile and um, users can find a lot of materials within GitHub Kaggle and Cora Um A lot of of very insightful introductory materials for AI can also be found in uh, Medium. So uh, towards data science, those types of platforms. But I also find pleasure in learning uh, traditionally with books. So there are a lot of uh, free uh, books online about machine learning, um, natural language processing, which are uh, essential. Uh, to, to artificial intelligence, um, Reddit. There's are many um, forums online that you can ask around if you get stuck with a certain problem. And of course, podcasts uh, like this one, you can learn a lot about uh, where to look for. Uh, there's some good uh, um, educationally-oriented podcasts out there like concerning AI, data skeptics, Um, Machine Learning Guide and O'Reilly Data Show. Um, You can also subscribe to newsletters. um, If you want to stay up to speed with the latest news and research, Um, there are uh, a number of growing weekly newsletters that you can choose from like uh, Deep Hunt, AI Weekly, um, Import AI, Fast AI. And ultimately, if you want to have a a more hands-on learning experience, you can attend conferences. Uh, There are a lot of conferences uh, abroad. And even in the Philippines, there are uh, some efforts that really um, introduce uh, AI concepts. There are many meetups with with, um, uh, Python Philippines, our users group, um, some small companies also offer some training like Santi AI with the thinking machines. Um, I would suggest, if you really uh, have the time and have the tenacity to study artificial intelligence, please read a lot of materials through research papers uh, in artsiv.org, um, science direct, IEEE. Um, there are a lot of places that you can. Um, one of the most useful uh, resources that uh, I use in terms of my learning is Kaggle. So Kaggle is a platform where you can download data set, You can join uh, competitions to brush up your skills in, in modeling. You can submit and test out the performance of your your output as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a handful, but um, I can def- definitely and ultimately send out a, a link of resources that I find uh, useful in terms of my learning with AI.
0: Yeah, so there's no there's no scarcity of resources in for, for, for anyone who would like to learn AI, right? So I don't think AI is for everyone. I, I took this course in uh Coursera, which is entitled AI for everyone. But what it basically does is it it overwhelms <laughs> you, you know. It it tells you that AI is not for everyone. Um so what do you think are the for, for someone? You know, for, for someone who has the tenacity to learn AI. What do you think are the fundamentals that he needs to have, that he or she needs to have to to reach that end of the tunnel? Because it's going to be really dark, I think.
1: Yeah. So the first criteria that I would uh, really look like um, would be the mindset of of being a problem solver. Uh, Mm -hmm. Solving things regardless of the tools that's available. For example, if a certain problem can be used using Python or R, or depending on what's easier. So being a problem solver is a must. Um, Also, you really need to code. There's no escape for that. So learning programming is essential in in understanding artificial intelligence. Um, Yeah, I think those three uh, attributes are are really necessary. Problem-solving, programming, mathematics. And um, one last important thing would be uh, to be a good translator or communicator because sometimes uh, it's hard to make sense of the algorithms that we create. Um, It can't be like that forever. We really need to to know how to communicate and laymanize these things to, to our stakeholders for them to be useful.
0: The next thing that I want to talk to you about, uh, Bash, is about uh, MAGO Analytics and what you mentioned to me as the theory of change.
1: MAGO Analytics, um, it's a, we established it before um, as a data science collective. So we are interested in um, really making technology accessible to um our grassroots um, stakeholders aside from the big companies. So we would want to reach out to NGOs, to collective organizations, to ordinary citizens like um, Workers' Union and Farmers' Collective. Um, For uh, the series of change, we had an epiphany of what's really happening um, in the Philippines in terms of, of Uh, the data science industry, the health of data in in our country. So we figured out uh, that we can introduce a theory of change. So basically, in a theory of change, you have identified some problems, you have some inputs to solve those problems, and what are your target outputs. Um, So one of the theory of change would be the lack of data, as I mentioned a while ago. So uh, so that's one. We don't have a well-designed information system. Uh, that's why it's hard to do open, open data. Um, one way to, to augment that, to offer that to um, NGOs, for example, um, if you want to help uh, an environmental NGO, since they don't have enough data uh, about uh, mining, for example, in the Philippines, we can help them by uh, scraping um data from, from World Bank, from ADB, from other sources that they would not probably look at in the first place. Um, we can also scrape um companies with a carbon footprint data that are publicly publicly listed. So they have those types of data. There are many sources of data that we can explore and um NGOs can def- definitely definitely um, would benefit for that. Um, Another problem is that the unstructured and expensive data storage and processing. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons why uh, NGOs uh, and SMEs in the Philippines is not using um, data science tools and artificial intelligence, that it's too expensive for them to maintain a database and network. But I think there are many alternatives right now. Uh, Open source technology and free resources are starting to spread out, uh, and uh, by introducing them and opening them, these materials to them, uh, we can definitely ramp up um, data science applications with these organizations. Um, The other one, um, the last uh, series change that we had is that there's data but is not used or optimized. For example. Uh, one NGO in mind is the Harry Bond. They have uh, thousands and thousands of images of, of of bird data, but it's hard for them to to do species species identification manually. So it takes a lot of their time and resources. So an application would be using deep learning and machine learning to automatically find the feature of of a bird in the photo and um, yeah, automate the identification process. Yeah, so those are just the three theories of changes. So lack of data, unstructured, and expensive data storage, and processing. And the last one is that data is there, but it's not used
0: or optimized. All right, thank you for sharing that, Albert. And I think oh, I'm sorry, Bash. Thank you for sharing that, Bash. And I think it's 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 very valuable information because I think there really is a lot of good application of uh, data science and AI. Uh, especially here in the Philippines, it's just a matter of optimizing that and uh, encouraging more big organizations to extend their technology to to organizations that, that don't have a lot to spend on on uh, on this. So, yeah. So, Basha, mm-hmm. thank you so much for the time. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about uh, AI today. Um, if there are things oh, that I missed... Oh. <laughs> If there are things that I missed, it's probably um, the topic for the next episode. I know we covered a lot, but there's a lot more to to cover. And I think a lot of people are interested to know what AI is and uh, the things Mm -hmm. that they can do to actually learn AI. And uh, you've given us a good insight on what AI is and the applications of AI, not only in in the corporate, but also as a a good application of technology. And uh, there's a lot of potential here in the Philippines. And I also am a believer of that. We have a lot of talent here. Um, it's just a matter of maximizing that talent.
1: Thank okay. you, Luis, for being yeah. here. I'm a fan of your work. Keep, keep it up. Good
0: job. Uh, salamat, Bash. Thank you so much. If and you
1: need any support, I'm, I'm here.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, I will definitely maximize that as well. <laughs> sure, sure. So good. Thank you, Bash, and have a great night. Thank you. This podcast is powered by RecruitDay.com. RecruitDay.com is a jobs platform that lets you find the perfect job or help others find theirs through referrals.